Get fired up for another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. A constant barrage of eye-opening conspiracies and ad-libbed innuendo. Featuring Chris. On the streets, he's known as a jackass. Also featuring Parker. Yes, there's no two ways about it. He's super white. And our special guest, Alex. No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. Entire production supervised by Bigfoot. Uh... Now, let's join the boys for their latest episode. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Real Deal No Sex Appeal. My name is Chris, with me as always is Parker and Alex, and uh, the dawning of a new presidency has hit, and we're watching a movie directed by M. Night Shyamalan, so things have improved for some people and not for others. We watched The Happening. Uh, it's about time that it happened. Uh, I should probably well, okay, fix that in post. Wow, anyway, that's weird. I gotta leave before. early. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, before we get to that, Parker, do we have any news? Right under the wires. Like, you know, another easy week. Nothing really going on in the world of movies. And then you just throw out a fucking Wonka prequel movie. <laughs> and I just immediately <laughs> shut my phone off. The worst part about it is I actually clicked the link this time. Usually I just read the headline and it ruins my day. And then just read that they've been trying to do this for like five straight years. And like, finally, guys, we've got it. It's going to happen. Put it on the calendar. Maybe movies are a bad idea. That's all. He's gonna make a Cheeto Man joke when he meets the Oompa Loompas. Oh God! Oh, you're right. Yeah. Just clenched my heart. (laughs) What could possibly be his backstory? Do we get to see him enslaving all of the tiny Oompa Loompas? Wait. So, Parker, (laughs) did you ever see the Tim Burton version? Don't answer that, buddy. You don't have to. (laughs) Plead the fifth. Wow, that was synchronous. My client will not slander himself in court. <laughs> Is that F- how it works? I F fifth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, let's get into. Oh wait, jerks of the week. I'm going to go first. Oh fuck. I can't believe you've done this. My my jerk of the week is the Orange Man. Uh, I guess this was probably going to be his uh, last day as jerk of the week. So uh, this is get fucking in there bullshit! I quit. No, he he earned this one though because they're talking <laughs> about like the presidential garden or people who would be honored in the presidential garden. People like Hannah Arendt, and people are like, "Wow, isn't it weird that he's honoring her?" I'm like, "I have no idea who that is." So I guess I'm just stupid. But one of the people that he was honoring was Billy Mitchell. And I'm like, oh man, <laughs> our boy. Turns out it's a different Billy Mitchell. So, it's a good, it's Donnie, a good you couldn't even get one. the right one. <laughs> Don't worry, I've had this exact conversation with four different groups of people. Where just like somebody comes in and goes, surely it's not that Billy Mitchell. And indeed it is not. Can you imagine or if it was Timothy be. McVeigh, but the other Timothy McVeigh? <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to honor the bad boy of gaming. <laughs> Oh, damn it. Alex, did you remember year two? I, yeah, I couldn't pick. (laughs) My first jerk of the week. Friend of the program, Dick Pussy, is back in prison. (laughs) Dude, he didn't get pardoned? (laughs) What a coward. It would be sick if he tried to pardon an Australian guy, but, uh... (laughs) He absolutely would. Yeah, turns out maybe uh, Dick Pussy's not a very good dude. <laughs> Who would have guessed? 
That's a name I haven't heard in a while. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's brought warmth into my heart. Same, except that's been my Discord name on a server for about eight months. So every day I log in and just see dick pussy in big yellow letters and start laughing. <laughs> my other jerk of the week <laughs> is a guy that I dealt to at work this week who did one of the best bits I've ever seen in my life. Uh-oh. So I'm I'm in there, I'm sitting at the table, this guy comes in, he's probably like, I don't know, maybe 40, and he's wearing a uh, Korean War veteran hat. So he sits down at the table, you know, he's playing, everything's cool. Somebody else makes a joke about it. This guy, you can see the glint in his eyes as he turns to the guy and goes, well, actually, I was stationed in Korea, and technically the war never ended, so if you think about it, I really am a Korean War vet. <laughs> Oh my god. Incredible oh, Reddit wow. energy. I am so happy I saw somebody activate his trap card like that. That is incredible. <laughs> I can't believe he used that secret technique. I I don't know. I don't understand how I was just lucky enough to witness this event. But How were you able to continue just like, working? It would have been on the ground. I Listen, love that plan. I, <laughs> I don't know how I got through it, but somehow I made it. Uh, just, I, just to see a plan come together like that, you just know that guy's been walking around for weeks with that hat on, just like, <laughs> hey, why don't you ask me about my service? Hey, 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 buddy. Oh, this is beautiful. That's I'm proud. I'm proud. All right, Parker, who is your jerk of the week? Uh, my jerk of the week is anyone who watched two episodes of a fucking 50 sitcom but with Marvel characters and went, oh my god, this is so Lynchian. What is dwelling <laughs> underneath the surface? <laughs> fucking kill me. Oh my god, it was like I Love Lucy but without jokes. What do you think is so twisted going on underneath? I don't know, man. It's probably just a comic book show. It's fine. So did you like it? Movie Bob is my best friend. And he's cool <laughs> and he's got good takes. Uh, it's got cool thoughts about eugenics and also Lynchian properties. Lynchian awesome properties. Friend of the show. Uh, my other jerk of the week is shout out to at work. On Monday, they catered in food. And there was at least four occasions where we were in the break room and looked around and went, Did they really get us chicken on MLK Day? And the answer is yes. A place no one I spoke to had ever heard of. It was just a constant, like, is this place new? Like, did they go out of their way to find a chicken place to bring us on Martin Luther King Jr. Day? <sighs> but then we all reached the agreement, like, I mean, it's it's free chicken wings, so, you know. Well, I mean, hey, if it's free, it's for me. Exactly. So, uh, you know, good job, everyone. You know what they <laughs> say about gift horses. <laughs> all right. Uh, Alex, what did you watch this week? All right, um, just a couple. Um, been starting to work my way through the backlog, but before that, <laughs> folks, there's a new Squatch off the presses. Oh, let's hear about Squatch. I watched a movie called Bigfoot the Conspiracy, and let me tell you, you do not need to watch Bigfoot the Conspiracy. <laughs> no. <laughs> so, I'll start with the bad, because this is basically, like, a fucking community theater film. Like, it, it's... You know, they're trying their best, but it is what it is. Um, the good, though, first of all, all of the fucking songs that are playing on, like, the radio or anything in this movie are by what I can only describe as 
that band from your high school that was trying to sound like Primus? Uh, now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is a there is like a four minute song about the hogback that plays over the credits that I had me in stitches. The hogback. Now this movie, yes, the hogback is. We're not going to start talking about cryptids on this podcast. I'll be here all day. All right, I'll um, look it up later. Um. So this movie does not fuck around. Within fifteen minutes, not only do we know that Bigfoot is real, but also the government is covering him up, and also he's an alien. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Don't worry about it. It was at this point that I went and looked up the director, who has only directed one other film, also about Bigfoot and aliens, and also acts in a community theater show as a character named Bigfoot Jim. So, this guy's incredibly cool and probably listening to us right now. Oh, and, uh, hey man, you're welcome on the show anytime. Please He's subscribe to the Patreon. to make this happen. <laughs> We will absolutely delete everything Alex just said and talk about how good your movie is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want to talk. He probably knows that band personally. I want. I want to know all of it. It's there are there are a couple actually genuinely funny scenes in this movie that I think was supposed to be funny, but I couldn't tell because no one knows how to deliver a line. Right, including one where they're at the big. There's two characters are at the Bigfoot Museum and they're just looking up this thing. I'm like, damn man, I can't believe it's real. And it's just like a shitty stuffed gorilla costume. <laughs> 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 like the fatal flaw of this movie is that we never see the Bigfoot kill anybody however when the good guy kills the bad guy at the end Bigfoot the homie drags the bad guy's body away to help him cover it up so you know (laughs) there's always some good in the bad (laughs) now the other movie I watched this week is one that Chris wanted me to check out for the show a movie starring Sylvester Stallone called Driven now to be fair I haven't seen this so I don't know almost anything about it Right, I'm not trying you to hurt probably me. keep it that way. Oh, damn. How long was this one? So this is... This was 2001, and it has an appropriately 2001 soundtrack, which I should have brought up here, but let me... Okay. 2001 movie. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Breakdown by Tantric is in this movie. Oh, Fuck. good. <laughs> Now it's a party. Oh, God. Fucking. <laughs> this was not a movie where I needed to hear Hey Man, Nice Shot, and yet there it was. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> Incredibly cool stuff. But uh, no, this is a two-hour movie that is basically just like 17 different subplots running into each other. Yeah. Hey, you want to see uh you want to see the fucking romance subplot from Pearl Harbor in this Sylvester Stallone IndyCar movie? If so, this is the movie for you. Um we it's just fucking melodrama and quick cuts of the race so you can't see anything cool and then more melodrama and it clocks in at almost 2 hours and is mind-numbingly boring. But yeah, this was almost an episode. Yeah. When I looked it up, Apparently on the DVD, there is a version by executive producer Sylvester Stallone that adds 51 more minutes, almost all of which is more of Sylvester Stallone's backstory. (laughs) You don't say. (laughs) 
I cannot confirm this because I didn't watch it, but apparently the only way to watch these parts of the movie are with the director's commentary on, who is also <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> so, Sounds real good. This is the preferred version. <laughs> I wish I had known about this beforehand because I would have just watched the whole thing as, but unfortunately was not meant to be. Just rambling about taking driving lessons for 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks so much. And not even sucks in a fun way. It just sucks. Anyway. Next week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. There's a fucking huge melodramatic scene because the other two drivers in the movie are, of course, involved in a love triangle for no reason. And also, it's Dr. Chase from House and Hugo Stiglitz. So, you know, <laughs> that's cool in its own right. Um, but there's this huge melodramatic fucking scene where Vertical Horizon is playing over it. And I was like, this is it. This is the most 2001 moment in any movie I've ever seen. <laughs> He thinks the one picked out the score himself. Probably. I hope so. I hope that he was listening to Trapped. Fucking Trapped. Do you think they're going to be busy today? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so uh, I guess I'm handing off to Chris to talk about... I don't know. What did you watch, buddy? No real way to talk about this one, uh... Except that uh, one of the most well-known, famous, if we have any, moments on this podcast is when I assigned you Marmaduke. And there was an ominous clap of thunder as soon as I said that word. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Which, you you can't really plan those things out. And I have to admit, I mostly forgot about it. It seemed to hurt you at the time, which wasn't necessarily the intent, but it it was funny at the least. Disagree. Kind of like you assigning me Ed, so what goes around comes around. Uh... (laughs) And uh, I was reminded of it, um, not just the fact that you assigned it to me, uh, so I guess I get what I deserve, but you also posted on the Discord that uh, you were still thinking about how bad it was. I was like, geez, that seems pretty extreme. And uh, I was like, you know what, okay, I'll uh, I'll just put it on right now, it's under 90 minutes. And I thought, you know what, if that that one hurt Alex that much... I, I should probably put myself in the right mood for it. Before I watch Marmaduke, I'm going to watch a movie that I think is great. Something that, that uh, delineates every single thing that I'm looking for in a movie. So that I can compare that sort of structure to Marmaduke. So that's why I watch Mad Max Fury Road before I watch Marmaduke. <laughs> Let me tell you, the drop-off is quite intense. Um... God, Marmaduke, I'm not, I have nothing else to say about uh, Mad Max Fury Road, it's still my favorite movie of all time, but Marmaduke is, that's a tough one. First of all, I guess no one ever actually read that comic in a newspaper, right? Like, no one ever actually looked at this, like, oh, thank goodness I got the paper today. I get to see this one panel of a stupid dog tripping over himself. Uh, oh no, <laughs> Marmaduke, you destroyed something again. I can't believe we haven't turned you into glue. So, uh, let's see, Owen Wilson, lead role uh, as Marmaduke for some That's the voice that you think of a large, you cumbersome person, you think Owen Wilson. Yeah, that makes sense. Wow, I tripped over my tail again. It's, so here's the thing, uh, Parker, I, I don't want to give too much away from when you eventually watch it, but Marmaduke what? is constantly looking directly into the screen. 
and it's not even like oh, is he? it's not even like he's looking right at the camera. He's looking at me. I can feel his eyes upon my soul. All right, it's it is uncanny that he's just staring me down. I got up and I moved from my bed, and his eyes followed me. It was unnerving. It, it was actually kind of disturbing. I have never been so sure that a creature wanted me to kill them in my life. <laughs> <laughs> More of a horror than a thriller is what I would say. What's that, Marmaduke? If I shoot him, Jodie Foster will love me? Well, all right. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> it is... It's seriously, it's, it's hard to look at. Uh, who else is in this one? Oh, yeah. How could I forget? George Lopez is his cat friend. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. The only cat in the movie somehow, which is kind of weird. You'd think there would be like more of a cat and dog thing that they do. No, George Lopez is just kind of in it. Um, and that's all I have to say about George Lopez in this movie. Uh, that's the most damning thing you can say about a movie. It's not oh, George Lopez is in it. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point, yeah. Um, who else is it? So, I, I have to admit, uh, the rest of it is just a bunch of dogs talking to each other, I guess. Oh, yeah. Is that William H. Macy as uh, the guy's boss? I think it was. Sure is. Yeah. Uh, I, I was going to say that's either William H. Macy or a very poor man's William H. Macy. Uh, he's not spectacular in this. Uh, who else is it? Oh, yeah. Kiefer Sutherland plays the villain. He plays a Rottweiler who's oh. mean. Jesus, <laughs> I was getting, <laughs> I was getting very powerful uh, Sylvester Stallone in the Zookeeper vibes from this character. Um, who else is in it? Oh yeah, Emma Stone plays I don't know one of the girl dogs that he wants to sleep with or something. And uh, there was another female dog. So the way that the thing is structured is Alex, you mentioned it's kind of structured like it's like he's a tall kid in high school. You know how no one respects the tall kids in high school. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> no one had it rougher than them. Yeah, <laughs> people just don't know how hard it is to be a tall person in high school. It's like being a Patriots fan. So, uh, oh yeah, there's also uh, Ken Jong. No, he's not in, but he might as well God, be. He don't. might as well be. So this movie's too early there. for him, but like, yeah, Ken Jong is like some chihuahua. Yeah, you can. It's yeah. he might as well I mean, be, you know. Uh, there is uh, there's someone else in there. I'm pretty sure whose name just escapes me. I was really surprised that Rob Schneider wasn't in there doing a racist accent. Um, I guess the the thing about this movie is that this isn't just a bad movie. This is like advanced badness. Is the best way that yeah. I can put this. <laughs> This you really have to be prepared before you go in. Like I watch a lot of bad movies and I just I just do it, you know. This is one like you need a seatbelt and a helmet for, okay? You got to be prepared before you just walk into this sort of thing. You don't just put this on and be oh, I'll laugh about it, you know. We can make jokes at the screen. Not with this one. There are no jokes to make. There's nothing funny that happens. There's nothing like you can kind of laugh at it. I had more fun with the Leave It to Beaver movie, you know. Um Remember, that was a thing that I watched. Uh, but Chris, you didn't enjoy <laughs> Marmaduke doing DDR to a Justin Bieber song so I wanna and get, then breaking it with his gangly legs? I want to I get to that in a second here. So the movie is so poorly structured that like I don't understand what the conflict is, is supposed to be most of the time. Most of the other... Marmaduke is such a stupid fucking oaf of a dog that the other dogs have to inform him of what the conflict is. They're like, oh no, you made Emma Stone dog upset because you're sleeping with a different dog than, than her. Uh, or or uh, what, what's another one? It's like, oh, you didn't listen to what she said or, or now you're, you're not cool anymore and oh, now you brought the wrong people to your house or something like that. And he just has no idea. He's just so stupid. He never seems to understand what's going on. And 
like that's a, that's kind of one of the things about that it sort of makes me think of uh, Master of Disguise, another advanced badness kind of movie. Is if the main character's too stupid to know what's going on, you don't really feel bad for him, and you're not laughing at him either. There's nothing to sort of pin your emotions on. So for the most part, while I was watching this, I was thinking, I don't even like despise this movie. I don't even dislike it. I'm just sort of like awed by it. I'm just sort of I'm more embarrassed by it than anything else. You know, I certainly don't want to mention to anyone except whoever's listening to this, that I watched it. And then the dance sequence at the end. (laughs) Holy shit, that's when I really started to hate it. You know, when I was growing up, I uh, always thought I was a regular-sized dog. (laughs) Who's bigger, Marmaduke or Clifford? Parker? (laughs) How big is Marmaduke? (laughs) Of course Sonic's faster than the Flash. It says right there in the song, he's the fastest thing alive. Alright, of course. That and Superman is more powerful than Goku. So, uh... What the fuck? (laughs) So yeah, at the end of the movie, I guess the the whole uh, thing is that his owner... um, By the way, his, his family moves from Oklahoma to... No, from Kansas to California, and his teenage daughter's really upset about it. I'm like, yeah, teenage girls hate living what? in Orange County. That sucks. <laughs> what world? <laughs> Dad, I don't want to leave all my friends in Kansas. It, that's one of the things that she says. It's like, oh, I want to talk to my friends. I don't want to live in fucking SoCal. It's not as much fun. Yeah, sure. So at the end of the movie, they all... What? Well, I don't even remember why they do it. It's like... Um, oh, there is a there's like a line that's almost a joke. Like, I if I could just like cut it, and I would just be like, that would be my review of the movie. Uh, it's like Marmaduke is playing with his stupid dog friends, and his owner talks to William H Macy. Is just like, well, what if they could talk? Uh, it wouldn't work. And I'm just like, wow, that'd be that's like a great like little thing. I would put it like the end of the trailer or something like that. And then he says, what if they could dance? And I just said out loud, no. And they immediately start. CGI dancing and, and bopping and singing all over the place to a, a Justin Bieber song, getting their faces slobbering right up in the camera, staring at me dead-eyed as they dance around and make merry fun in the grass in the dog park. Uh, Is that how they sold the movie? They just animated that. Like, check this shit out, guys. That's so. Believe it or not, if that was like, uh, I, this is usually what you would put as like your mid-credit scene, you know. That's what fucking Shrek did, remember? It's like you just do that, you know? That's not even part of the movie. I can turn it off. But no, the movie's not over. The movie's still going on while that happens. And they're just like, yeah, we'll use that as our commercial for the dogs. Wouldn't that be a great thing? I guess one of the other things about this is I want to mention the most like baffling thing about all this. Year of release. Parker, want to hazard a guess at what year this movie came out? I'd like to guess uh, 1997. <laughs> <laughs> That's when it was supposed to be released. This movie came out in 2010. That's impossible. This Shut w- up. <laughs> I, this movie came out when I was in college. Like, the 1990s, that was a great decade for talking animal movies. You had Homeward Bound. That's it. So, like, there are, like... Like, I think about, like, uh, Cats and Dogs. Remember Cats and Dogs and the Revenge of Kitty Galore? Uh, no, tell us about it. Well, anyway, like that is a movie that has a bunch of dogs like sort of looking around and their their mouths kind of move a little bit. In this one, their mouths move a little too much. It's like kind of like concerning, especially with 
Owen Wilson as Marmaduke, his fucking jowls going all over the place as his eyes, like, he's not even, like, his head's turned away from me, but his eyes are still looking at me. I can feel them on my shoulder. The TV's turned off. I feel, like, disturbed about it. So, uh... So it's good? <laughs> I'm gonna sign it to you at some point. Uh, no, you're not. <laughs> sure hope not a Chris's team's won this week. Anyway, I know the Browns... Are... Oh, I forgot to mention while Alex was on. Oops. Uh, honk, honk. I watched Lucky Numbers, which, uh... <laughs> <laughs> you can just pocket that for next week. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm gonna say it here because I don't think Alex has seen it. I guess maybe he'll, like, listen to the episode to see what we say, but, uh... Fucking Lucky Numbers is a movie that came out in 2000, and it stars John Travolta. Right there is your problem, all right? 2000 is way too late for John Travolta. Remember, he had a bit of a career renaissance with uh, Pulp Fiction. His face went the wrong direction, all right? It just kept expanding. I, uh, I hope one day my... Speaking as a guy with a big face and a big head... One day, I hope my face can be as big as his. I don't know if I'll ever get there, though, but if I try really hard and work on my studies. Uh, he uh, he plays a weatherman, and uh, he needs a lot of money, and he decides that in order to get the money uh, for his local television station, they also have, like, the lotto numbers. You know, like, the, the ping-pong balls come up and they pick them. He'll, like, do, like, an inside job and steal that money, right? Here's the wildest thing. This is actually based on a true story. This actually happened in Pennsylvania. So right off the bat, this is actually a pretty good idea for a movie. Here's the problem. This should have come out in like 1991 and starred Jim Carrey. It should not have starred uh, John Travolta. Not at all, not in the slightest. Uh, he, he must have had Botox or something because he's constantly smiling, even when he shouldn't be. It's a very, very bizarre thing. Um... While I'm watching this, okay? While I'm watching this, I'm mostly having a good time. I'm like, this isn't like an awful movie. It's just, it doesn't work. Okay, so John Travolta's in it. Hey, wait a second. Why is that waiter Colin Mockery from Whose Line Is It Anyway? I wish he was in more stuff. I love that guy. Oh, wow, that's Ed O'Neill from uh, Married With Children. I love that guy. Uh, who else is in it? Um, uh, the, the star of... Uh, Independence Day. What's his name? Bill Pullman. He's in it. Uh, not Will Smith. Not Will Smith. Bill Pullman's in this. Uh, and I'm like, wow, kind of a star-studded cast in a, in a small way. But And then, out of nowhere, comes Michael Moore's fat ass <laughs> acting in a fiction movie. So this is before 9-11. Was 9-11 the best thing to happen to Michael Moore? <laughs> and this podcast. Well... <laughs> <laughs> I might cut that. <laughs> oh, jeez. Anyway, yeah, Michael Moore is in this, and luckily he dies. Um, he is horrendous. He cannot act. I. It is the worst part about this movie by far. Uh, oh, yeah, Michael Rappaport's in this, too. Oh, jeez. Uh, How can he be that much worse than Michael Moore? Also, how many fist fights do you think Michael Rappaport tried to get into? This was, was this before, this had to have been after Deep Blue Sea. This would have been two years after Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> he got mad that he got tricked into watching Bowling for Columbine. <laughs> so, to fight them. so, here's the thing. The the main problems with, uh, with Lucky Numbers is not the performances. The performances are actually pretty good. Tim Roth is in this. He's actually pretty damn good. 
the problem is a the writing the script has some real problems there was only one genuinely funny moment and it was so funny that i alex when you listen to this and i hope you do this line fucking killed me uh, one of their plans to uh go into the uh the lotto thing and like steal the like go in you have to buy a ticket for it right you have to buy the winning ticket he says oh we'll go in there in disguise they're just like who is not going to recognize you he's like the super famous weatherman right and he's like well i could like what if i wear a mustache so like yeah you in disguise you'd be like that uh that uh you know uh what was it that straw guy the straw guy from the wizard of oz the straw man you'd be like the straw man from the wizard of oz he's like it's not the straw man it's the scarecrow the scarecrow from the wizard of oz and they just immediately respond with well sorry i'm not like a cartoon historian here i don't know that <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a joke that you guys would use on me in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, the first Mary Melody was, I don't care, Chris. <laughs> to the point. Sounds very much like that King of the Hill thing. Nobody cares, Bill. <laughs> so, Bill would be passionate about, like, collecting animation cells. Yeah, he would be. <laughs> this is my favorite one. It was one of the banned episodes. <laughs> Bill's just always talking to him about Dexter's rude removal. Like, dude, we're 40. (laughs) So, um, the other problem here is the direction. And no other way to say it, surely this was a different Nora Ephron, right? Like, you know, it came... filmography is so weird. I know. This is 12 years removed from When Harry Met Sally. Have you seen When Harry Met Sally? That movie's, like, actually as good as people say that it is. I'm sure I have at some point. I had cable my whole childhood. I was shocked by how great that movie was. I was, like, awestruck. I was like, wow, this is fantastic. The writing really is just about as good as it ought to be. Billy Crystal really is as funny as everyone says that he is. Uh, And Nora Ephron, after that movie, was just, like, the go-to female writer, right? And she also did, was it Sleepless in Seattle or something? And uh, it was like, wow, what? she must be the go-to person. And then she said, I'd like to direct. And that fucked up everything because she can't direct. She really can't. It was astonishing just how... Like, there's stuff like blocking. The blocking doesn't work. And you need to understand how blocking works when you have Michael Moore in a movie. Okay? <laughs> it's kind what of kind of lenses are we using? Just curious. <laughs> it's got to be like a fisheye lens in order to fit him in the screen. <laughs> it just looks like a Busta Rhymes music video every time he's on screen. <laughs> you have to fit him, you know? Oh, man. It's it's not good. I would not recommend it. But it's also not like a disaster, you know? I just remember that when uh, I looked it up online, people, apparently, cinema score gave it, like, audiences gave it an F. Like, it doesn't seem like that bad. It just seems kind of worthless, you know? Certainly Almost every worthless. single F cinema score movie is, like, at worst, like, Oh, that's just kind of dumb. It's kind of like the Razzies. Like, you know? I hate Mother, but come on. Yeah. Come on. That's, yeah, that's... I've seen a hundred worse movies since we started this. Well, the thing is with Mother, you know that everyone who gave it an F was talking about the Jesus thing, you know? Okay. Just like, that's not even the problem. You believe the they movie. killed that baby? Well, yeah, that that happens in the Bible, you know? that's It's like a thing they're trying to do. Learn something. <laughs> Read a Swine. book, people. So, uh, yeah, that is that is all that I want. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I also showed the other Alex one cut of the dead, and thank goodness. I That movie fucking for you. Uh, Parker, what did you watch? I really just want to touch on one thing specifically, because I only watched like three things, really. But there's one that's very specific to this episode, in that I learned that on the Sci-Fi channel, 
they made a fake documentary about M. Night Shyamalan to promote the village. To promote the village? It is the most self-obsessed, narcissistic thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Besides Lady in the Water. Two hours long. Oh, okay. That's... Without commercials. Oh, all right. Longer oh. than, like, any movie he's ever made. Oh, oh, boy. So the whole thing is these guys just want to get an interview with M. Night, but... You know, like, he doesn't really want to. He's just really reclusive. He's got all these secrets. He yeah, M. Like, M. Mad genius. M. Night Shyamalan, also, the reclusive the director. Yeah, no, he never yeah. gives anyone, you know, press. He doesn't want to talk to He's just, you know, he's got this, he's this crazy guy. He's just off on his own. He doesn't really want to talk to people. But he, like, still approves the documentary. Because it's like a documentary. It's He, I remember, the Blair Witch, you, right? You said it's it was a mockumentary. So, yeah. So... The whole thing about this was, it was supposed to be like, they got a hold of him, and they started asking questions he didn't want to answer and digging into his past, and that he got real mad and like stormed off, and then that's how they promoted it everywhere. And then before this thing even aired, NBC had to come out and be like, yeah, no, they lied to everyone, it's, it's not real, sorry. Why did they do so that? Already- because they, they were going to the press and just outright lying to them. And it turns out <laughs> the press got incredibly mad about it. Like, don't, you can't fucking lie to us for your silly-ass sci-fi channel two-night documentary. Two nights? Can you imagine? Who, tu- who tuned in for the second night? I could not imagine. I watched this on YouTube, and I almost didn't make it to the second night. Was, it is hold on ungodly now. boring, except for some choice highlights. Uh, now I have to just put at the top like the absolute narcissism it takes to go and pitch this to a channel is astounding. Uh, so they need to they need to study up on our good for name night. So uh, our documentarian learns about <laughs> an M Night Shyamalan chat room, but to enter the chat room you have to take a quiz about M Night, and then once you get all the questions right, you're granted access into the special chat room. Chris, you're aware of how internet handles work, right? How people just have random numbers on next to their name? Oh, yeah. People do that all the time. Well, these numbers aren't random. You see, you get a number one through five signifying how deep into it you are. What your level is. So he starts investigating this guy's life. You know, while M. Night's just off filming The Village, which is, you know, good. <laughs> And he goes and interviews, like, his old elementary school teachers. <laughs> They're like, oh my god, he was so great, we love him. By the way, everyone talks to him like, oh my god, he was so fucking cool and smart and handsome and funny. And oh, we love him so much. It's pretty cool. The teacher's like, oh wow, he was great. You know, he was the best student we ever had. You know, he never went home sick. Just like an Unbreakable, he also never took a sick day, Chris. Stay with me on this. Does Shyamalan live in the Shamaverse? Oh, buddy. More literally than you think, but we'll get there. Okay, go ahead. We talked to uh, an old child psychiatrist he had, and he she kept a picture he drew as a kid, like 30 years ago, of this spooky-looking kid that's obviously a dead kid. What's that, Chris? Did he see that dead kid? We'll push on further, shall we? Oh, come on. At one point, they're interviewing people around there, and they're talking about signs. He's like, <laughs> he's talking to a guy at a train station. He's like, yeah, of course, like, you know who they had before Mel Gibson, right? They're like, what? No. And then the guy just gets worried. He goes, oh my god, I have to go. And he just sprints towards the train to hop on. 
And then he goes back to the chat room. He's like, "Hey guys, uh, who would they ha- who they have before Mel Gibson?" And then we find out Johnny Depp. And then we cut to just Johnny Depp showing up in this fake documentary for like ten minutes to talk about meeting M Night Shyamalan, a meeting which never happened because he was never considered for that movie. <laughs> Was it a Johnny Depp impersonator? No, he's just in full secret window outfit. It's real <laughs> funny. <laughs> and then we learn, like, you know, everything was going great. They just kept asking these weird questions and stuff. Because this guy, he's just such an enigma. You know, he's so crazy. And then they go hang out with him, Night Shyamalan. And they go play pool together. And everyone's just like, oh my god, you're that guy. I love you. Can I get your picture? You're so cool. Oh my god, I love you. You're a genius, dude. This movie, of course, that I must keep reiterating, was his idea that he pitched to network. Again, I, I you're just describing Lady in the Water, man. I already, <laughs> I already know this guy's fucking ego. And they go talk to more people, and they talk to a childhood friend of his who thought he was hot and cute and smart and the coolest, but she reveals this dark secret from his past that one day they were out playing. And he fell through the ice in a pond, and he almost drowned. Isn't that terrifying? That's that's actually kind but of. But she sad. lets on further. He actually did die, but then he came back. And Chris, ever since he died and came back, he's been deathly afraid of water. And he sees this little dead kid. This, this didn't actually happen. Movies, <laughs> they're autobiographical. Of course, it didn't. So I know you're wondering, well, okay, so they figure out two of the movies. How does he connect the signs? Are there aliens? No, Chris. It turns out he just grew up in the house from signs. That's the only thing they could think of for it. Because <laughs> all his other movies... Did they have a reference to Stuart Little? Because I'm pretty sure he... Uh, that one was out by the Unfortunately not. No, come on. He no, wrote it. At no you point to... was she all that. <laughs> so... After two hours of this, by the way, like, at least half of this documentary is just the documentaries going, I don't know if we should release this, man. Which is always good when half of your movies, I don't know, you think anyone's going to watch this movie? The answer is no. In the very end of the movie, they just tack on this shit about, like, trying to prove that paranormal things are real. Because, you see, if M. Night Shyamalan, acclaimed director and future Spielberg, can deal with these things, it would normalize it for the rest of us. So it's important to get this message out. We have to know that the other side is real, Chris. Other side of what? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It is the most nothing thing I've watched in a long time, and I've been assigned some doozies. So I I just want to tell you, I came up with a new guy while you were talking. Oh, yeah? Someone who had watched this credulously. (laughs) Someone who would just, like, sit it down and be like, man... I loved Signs. I can't wait to see his next movie. I'm such a big Shyamalan fan. I'm going to tune in for the second night to learn the secret. I This new kind of guy, by the way, did not get the press release that this is all fake and that he believes everything that happened in it and that it's all connected. Oh, I hated Glass. Dude, did you know he died as a kid? <laughs> Shut up, Tim. <laughs> well, let me just add. So they're supposed to have interviews with like all of the cast of The Village. And the only one they air is with Adrian Brody. And he won't tell them what his character is. 
And that adds a really funny layer afterwards, just knowing that he plays Simple Jack the whole movie. <laughs> yeah, I can't really talk about my character. It's like, yeah, because you walk around going like a full 12 on the scale of 1 to 10. <laughs> I wouldn't fucking talk about it either, my dude. Yeah, it turns out Sigourney Weaver didn't have time for this fucking sci-fi documentary. Shocker! <laughs> it is... A half star to end all half stars. There's just nothing redeeming about it. <laughs> that sounds like fun. But, uh, I learned about it, thought, like, oh, we're doing the happening. This would be fun. And then at one point, looked down, I was like, well, I'm already halfway into this. I've already committed to this bit. See, that's the. Th- I didn't realize it was going to be two hours without the commercials. See, here's, here's the wild thing. This. When you said that you watched this, I was just like, oh my god, did he did he pull a Chris Field? Did he watch all the Shabalad movies just so he could watch the 10 hour documentary? <laughs> I mean, I would have. That is a powerful When I saw two hours, I was like, oh, that's fun. They left the commercials in. And I quickly realized, like, what? what is, does that say two nights? Why is this so long? <laughs> it was a mistake. But these things happen sometimes. Yeah, I'll to look at my life. Yeah, I would not recommend to anyone ever. What's it, what's it called again? Uh, the Secret Life of M? The Buried Secret of M. Night Shyamalan. The Buried Secret. Oh my god. I have to watch this. Incorrect. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I can't stress enough. There's like three things that are like, oh, that's kind of funny. And then just nothing. Well. Did you watch anything else? I'll talk about it next okay, week. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Alright. That being said, let's talk about the happening. Actually, I, I feel kind of good talking about The Happening, because um, this is a movie that's been kind of well-known for a while, uh, especially among internet denizens, as like one of the all-time good-bad movies. It's, uh, it's People talk about the cheesy acting, the stupid ideas, the idiotic twist, uh, the laughable writing. It is like the go-to movie for bad M. Night movies. I still think, as far as... like. Uh, what is less enjoyable? I'd say that a uh, worse movie from M Night would be uh, Last Airbender. I would definitely call worse than this, and I definitely call Lady in the Water worse. But this one is a special kind of bad. This is a new kind of badness that's uh, almost pleasing to the touch. Uh, so everyone knows about it. But uh, the cool thing about this podcast is we're good at talking about things that a lot of people don't pick up on. So I think we'll. Uh, Let's just start at the very beginning. A very good place to begin. Um, Parker, do you like clouds? Dude. (laughs) I'm sorry, dude. I forgot what I was reading. Please recite it back to me, my human female friend. (laughs) So, like, we'll get to that, but, like... You think about this, man. I want to talk about the opening credits of this. Because the music is like... Oh, you mean this fucking PowerPoint font? Yeah, it's fucking endless like the clouds are going around or you're just like it, so imagine like imagine you're walking into the theater right you're just like oh, I god I hope he can redeem himself because by this point you've seen the sixth sense and unbreakable you're like wow M. Night's on top of the world he's the next Spielberg and uh, then you have signs you're like oh and then you see the village you're like oh no and then you see Lady in the Water you're just out you're just like fuck this guy and then you're like okay the happening great tagline right we've seen the signs we uh we sense it now it's happening you're like yeah this will be maybe this will be the one that gets him back on track and 
a solid 5-10 minutes of just names in front of clouds. It reminds me of the fucking opening credits from the Tim Burton version of Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Remember how long that was? It just kept going. Always a good thing to be compared to. Right, exactly. So the music already feels like a B-movie. I want Before we get any further, M. Night couched this before it came out saying like, Oh, no, no, this is just a, a pay-in to all the great science fiction B-movies from the 50s. That's what he was going oh, for. The ones that suck ass? <laughs> Thanks, dude. The, he made a movie There's that like was... four good ones. If this movie was any good, this would have had... Uh, this would have ended with Mark Wahlberg standing in front of a burning ant corp saying, What has God wrought? Then the RKO music blares. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to couch this whole thing with... Having spent the last couple months going through all of his movies, mostly in order, like in terms of one I would ever watch again, this is easily in the top three. I would watch this before I watched almost anything else he made I'd again. Absolutely, watch this before the village. At least something happens in this it's, movie. It sucks, but in a very appealing way for me. Yeah, you can have a good time with this movie. This is compare this to what I said about Marmaduke. You can't have fun with Marmaduke, but with this movie, you can point and laugh at the screen. You can have a good time. And I think there's value in that. Is it what he was going for? Probably not. But, like, it's... It, I don't know. I You can always have a good time with it. So, let's... I guess we might as well talk about this, uh, this movie, right? So, two people are sitting on a park bench, and one says to the other, I forgot where I am in this book that I'm reading. And she says, you're at the part where the killer decides what to do with the crippled girl. How are you supposed to know that? You're not reading the book. You're looking at your fucking phone or something. <laughs> then... Everyone is she just reading a book and describing it to her friend? Maybe that's what she's doing. That's Maybe she's just course. reading it out loud. She's one of those people, you know. It was the best of times. <laughs> it was the worst of times. So everyone in the park just freezes. The wind blows in the trees. You're just like, "Huh, that's weird." Everyone freezes. One guy starts walking backwards and I just started thinking about Freddy got fingered again. <laughs> again, you Again. <laughs> he can go backwards fast as you can. So, uh, I did think this was really funny. Her friend takes out one of her knitting needles and just stabs herself in the throat. And her friend has absolutely no reaction. She's just like, she just kind of like looks point, away. I'm in. Yeah, exactly. I'm She's just like, huh, this movie weird. immediately. Say what you will, but I am automatically like, alright, let's fucking do this. <laughs> I, I don't know what this is, but I'm in. Meanwhile, the music is just, I don't know what James Newton Howard was doing for this one. But it is, he's doing something spectacular with a move, with the music. It's just the goofiest fucking, that sounds like B-movie music right there. I can't even just, I'm not going to like hum it or anything, but like, I don't know, download the soundtrack or something. It's, it's like really fucking goofy. Uh, it's fun to remember the context of him wanting to be a B-movie. Because if there's one actor I don't trust to like, and bring in that energy, it's Mark Wahlberg. We'll get to that in a second. Now you trust me like, oh, like those 50s movies, like. Mark, you've never seen a movie from before 1984. <laughs> no, anyone he caught watching a sci-fi movie, he called a bunch of slurs and then beat up with his brother. Exactly. What are you talking yeah. about? Now, Parker, you mentioned that you really like the scene when people start walking off that building, right? I mean, I was fucking dying. The under <laughs> the POV shot, looking up, of like 20 bodies jumping off a roof. Once again, like I am. I'm here for it immediately. I'm like, man, this movie's going to be fucking funny. Uh, you know what? You were yeah, right. Man. That was uh, <laughs> that was definitely a good sign. Although, so the movie, uh, has, its twist is that the trees are producing 
I guess, a pheromone that makes people uh, want to kill themselves, right? How many trees are there in New York City? Watson. Like, they're surrounded by buildings. Every time I say, you say it out loud, like, so the trees are doing it, it's like, that can't be right. Yeah, okay. Surely I missed the scene. And then we cut from, like, 20 people just braining themselves off a, sky, off a skyscraper to science class in Philadelphia <clears throat> with our science teacher, Mark Wahlberg, who is not acting like a human being. The first thing just he says is... Kubrick stare. First thing he says... Look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees disappearing. Aren't you guys curious about science? Right off the bat, the audience is like squealing with laughter. Like, that's <laughs> unbelievable line delivery. <clears throat> it's real, like, Ed Wood screening energy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> it's real rough, man. And he's like, oh, how do you... He's asking the students, okay, so uh, anyone have any idea about what might be happening? And my first thought is... I, I know I talk about it too much, but Parker, I used to be a teacher. You don't just do this in class. You have a <laughs> curriculum. You have to stick to a lesson plan. <laughs> you just hit the class with it. Y'all seen this? Heard about this? It's that You Great. only do something like this if you forget your lesson plan at home and you have to improvise. Uh, so newspaper. For the... Honeybees. Honeybees. That's science. Anyone who knows what a honeybee is, right? You. You. Alex. What's a honeybee? Uh, oh, I said enough. Anyway, uh, he, so he's asking people, all right, who has any idea what's happened to the honeybees? His kids are floating, like, pretty good theories. They're just like, uh, global warming, maybe? Wait, one person's just like, uh, pollution, or maybe they uh, got sick and tired and just left and went back to their home planet. And he's like, what about you? Uh, what is the guy's name? Kyle or something? And the, He looks like a Kyle. He does look like a bit of a Kyle. And he, uh... No, he looks like a bit of a Parker. And anyway, he, uh... I wish. <laughs> the, he, his, face, his face was never perfect, my dude. He gives, he gives like, an all-time reaction that I would have given. It's like, what do you think's happening to the honeybees? He just shrugs his shoulders and, and doesn't say anything. He's like, should be more interested in science, man. You know why? Because your face is perfect. That is one of the creepiest things I've ever heard a teacher say. This must be a Catholic school, because <laughs> there's something going on here. I just don't understand what his in-game is here. And, and as soon as he says that, all the eyes in the classroom should be looking at him, being like, what? <laughs> That's... I can't... Just the sound of chairs creaking for like... <laughs> what did you say? Just the sound of a single pencil being dropped and one person coughs. <laughs> He got a perfect face. <laughs> what? <laughs> And he says, but we're the principal again. But wait, wait, wait! It gets even worse. It gets even worse because uh, then he says, "But it won't be for very long." What kind of movie is this becoming? He says at it's, some point, it's a fucking threat. Your facial features will change, and you will be horribly ugly soon. And uh, then he's like, "So please tell me your theory." I guess that's a threat: is either you will be ugly or you will answer my question. He says. Uh, it's an act of it's an act of nature. We'll never truly understand it. And Mark Wahlberg has the worst possible response. Good answer. You're a science teacher. You're... Sick. I'm putting that on every test you ever hand me. Now that, go fuck yourself. It's it is one of the worst things I've ever heard. That's that's not what science is about. It's just saying, yeah, I guess we'll never understand it. All right, accept your D minus, dude. Like you have to at least what try is the to. What definition of an ion? I don't know, man. There's no way of knowing. They're so small. Damn, 100 percent again. You did it. 
It's a fucking genius. What did William Shakespeare mean when he when he wrote The Fault in Our Stars? Well, actually, we'll never be William Shakespeare, so we'll never know what he was thinking. Yeah, we weren't there. We can't ask him. Yeah, okay. Just get in touch with their spiritual side. And then, this says a lot, but the next thing that happens is one of the weirdest parts of the movie. And, that, and there's, this movie's full of weird parts. The vice principal comes into the room... And Mark Wahlberg turns into Gollum. He's just like, oh, the Dark Lord. He makes like an X with his fingers and he runs and hides and turns off the lights. This is what kindergartners do. He's the fun teacher. Yeah, he's the fun teacher. Yeah, that's that's what it is. The guy who just drops his lesson plan and gives you a pop quiz on a news story you didn't read. (laughs) Because also, I don't live in Philadelphia, but if I lived in Philadelphia, I wouldn't be reading the New York Times. Hey, did you guys read this article on page 17? No. No, I didn't. I'm 14. Page 17 of what? The Tekken manual? I already know how to do his specials. It's easy. Yes. So, uh, all the teachers are gathered into, I guess, the auditorium to talk about it. And uh, the I guess the principal tells them, these are, these are the words that he uses. There appears to be an event happening. No, you can't call it an event. That sounds like a sale from a car manufacturer. Okay. <laughs> there seems to be a liquidation sale going on around the greater Philadelphia tri-state area. They call him, you know, sorry, you know, they call him Honest John. They should call him Crazy John for all these deals he's giving away. <laughs> Honest John is, is that Crazy John? It's the same person. He's just talking like that for the entire movie, folks. Sorry, my voice isn't going to change. He sure is. He's really ramping up the. Every sentence ending on a question mark. Now, Parker, I want to see. There's a good way to play it when you're the one teacher yeah. in the movie. I want. Well, also his friend John Leguizamo visits. So, Justin Power, our good friend, coming over here and just being like, "Yeah, man, my mom is really concerned." So I threw some statistics at her, and uh, you know, some people they just believe all statistics. You know, they just settle some people down. Anyway, it did work on her, so I'm going to have to leave. Thanks for that. I mean, he's not wrong. People sure do just follow any statistics on (laughs) Facebook. That's a fair point. Now, uh, before his students leave, uh, Parker, I hope you took notes on uh, what their homework was. They have to memorize every single part of science. (laughs) 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 So, like, observe data, record measurements, and it's like, this, like, five points, and every single part is, like, a paragraph. It can't be stressed enough that, as much as we shit on M. Night, like, we both genuinely like some of his movies, but the one thing he's always been bad at is writing dialogue. Yeah. So to saddle all of it on Mark Wahlberg's shoulders. Now, I know I called. A choice. That's, that's a good point. I know I know I called Lady in the Water a far worse movie than this, but honestly, this one might have worse writing because the dialogue. Oh, is, absolutely. The dialogue is execrable in this one. It is, like, astonishingly bad. It's. It really feels like he's an alien. Like, he doesn't know how human beings talk, and he's just, like, guessing at it. Which is weird, well, because, you know, like... after he drowned in that lake as a boy, it, you know, yeah, his brain just it operates differently now. But, you know, let's, let's get back to Unbreakable. The dialogue in Unbreakable doesn't feel normal, but it works in that movie because of the tone. The tone in this movie, again, if you're going for a 1950s B-movie, I'm looking for the space invaders, and I'm not seeing them. Uh... Anyway, the the camera, plants. the camera, which I think we agreed that the one thing he usually does well is the camera work. Not in this movie, uh, because the no, camera is ugly as butt. Yeah, the <laughs> this movie, the the camera then decides to uh, show a quote from Albert Einstein on the blackboard that says, 
when the bees disappear, human beings will have four years left on Earth. <laughs> okay, so is this movie just a parable to get us to care about the bees? Because if this movie is, is trying to get us to give a shit about nature, it's about as effective as Fern Gully. Two. Oh, man, think, think of all that honey in there. <laughs> oh, my God. Imagine the honey. Just, oh, you, know. you got a perfect face, kid. Yeah, they... <laughs> It, but if you fall asleep one more time in class, me and my brother Donnie are going to beat you with a sock full of quarters. <laughs> Ain't me perfect much longer. So, now everyone talks about how bad Mark Wahlberg's performance is in this movie. And I'll grant you that. It is a really bad performance. He really needs a Boston accent to bail him out of this. But he doesn't. But he is not the worst performer in this movie. The worst actor in this movie is Zoe Deschanel. This woman cannot act. I want that recorded for all time. I really, oh, I loved her in Elf. She was terrible in that, too. She absolutely is incapable of acting. She can't be funny. She can't be charming. She can't be She can't do anything as far as acting goes. She is a pretty face and nothing more. She heard her inflection sounds like an intonation. The entire movie sounds like she's a lead singer or flyleaf. Don't tell me it's my I'm so favorite happy band. that band's a part of your fucking brain now. That boy, it ruined my. Just because I sent you that screenshot and you listened to it, I was. That's so just upset. part of your Rolodex now. It really is, you know. I don't know what I was expecting from Flyleaf, but I guess I wasn't expecting the single worst cover I've ever heard. Um, anyway, uh, she is sitting at home trying to ignore phone calls from a uh, Joey. I guess was the GM of the New York Mets. Oh no, he didn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's a subplot that he that will come back later in embarrassing fashion. Anyway, I guess Whether she's... Whether you want it to or not. I guess she's married to to uh, Mark Wahlberg. Is that what they're trying to communicate here? Sure. They've been together a while. They have absolutely... That's about as much as I got out of that. They have absolutely no chemistry whatsoever. Uh, they might as well have just met like the right before the movie started. Right. I, I'm not even convinced that they met before it started. They're still like not on speaking terms, you know. Uh, speaking of camera work, I wanted to... Because this one, I will never get this one out of my head. So they're in the train terminal. The, the same one from fucking Unbreakable, I think. And uh, Mark Wahlberg is talking to John Leguizamo. Yeah, they're the same universe. Uh, Mark Wahlberg is talking to John Leguizamo. And he's like, oh, uh, Zoe Deschanel is in the bathroom I'm waiting for. The camera then pans 180 degrees to look at her. It's like a villain reveal in any other movie. I have no idea why the fuck he shot it like that. But the music should be like, it should play like a terrifying sting at that point. It should be like, Drum. Or something like that. And it was just the, the tall man should be standing there pointing at her. Exactly. It, that's exactly what should be happening. It's, it is really, really, really embarrassing. And she keeps getting calls from this guy on the train. To which, man, when she is talking to Mark Wahlberg, it's it's every single thing that she says in this movie is fucking terrible. You remember her first line? is like, it just kills you. No, it, it makes you kill yourself. As if there couldn't be any more evil in the world. That's her performance. That's what she's going with. Like, what are you supposed? What are you supposed to do with that as an actor? Not to defend her, because I think yeah, like I'm not even going to blame Mark Wahlberg. What What do you do with that? Well, the other oh, that's that's fair. That no is fair. But that later point. on, she says, "You know, I don't like to reveal my emotions." I'm like, "Yeah, I know. I got that from the first time you opened your fucking trap." 
She is off. And then the, the phone calls on the train. It's like, I want you to stop. She's saying this loudly. It's like, you need to stop calling me. All we did was eat tiramisu. Anyway, she is terrible. She is such an awful actress. Anyway. Uh, this makes me feel bad. Great. <laughs> but Does husband it? slash boyfriend, you know I don't like to show my emotions. I'm very guarded with them. So she she decides to... <laughs> that fucking joke from Futurama. You can't just write how a character is feeling. That makes me feel angry. <laughs> That's her entire performance. That's... It's... So here's the thing about it, right? So they're on the train, and her... It, I think she might be the virus, because she's starting to infect other people. I'll give you an example. Some person <laughs> on the train pulls out their phone and is watching the video of... Uh, of Mr. Glass and uh, the Unbreakable guy getting drowned in a puddle. Wait, no, it's different. It's the lion attack. And uh, we got to talk about the lion attack really quick. Parker, <laughs> that was quite the way to go out. Was this anything like Rogue? <laughs> Rogue looks so much better than this. Somehow this looks better this than the Ghost of the scene. Darkness, I'll tell you that much. It cracks me up every time I watch this movie. <laughs> But it also makes me so mad, like, why are we cutting away? I was promised the first R-rated movie from the master of suspense, M. Night Shyamalan. How dare you cut away? I want to see that shitty-looking arm get ripped was off. Was this R-rated? I didn't know that. This doesn't feel R-rated. It sure R-rated. is. It's, like, there's a blood. That was there's half blood. of the marketing. His first R-rated movie. Like, guys, you didn't like the last couple he did, but he's back. It's going to be fucking insane. You, <laughs> it's just like some kid getting domed, that's it. You, all, you know all those 1950s B-movies with all their wanton violence and tits. So <laughs> Way to really get what you're parodying, you fucking idiot. <laughs> so her badness is starting to affect others because the woman watching the video says, Mother of God, what kind of terrorists are these? <laughs> Which, how do you even form that thought? Wait. That's right. I went to bed last night. The last thing I saw on Twitter was people standing outside fucking Comet Ping Pong protesting. <laughs> so you know what? Maybe someone would believe it was a terror attack. I don't know. But like... My god. They put that, the water and made the that. frogs gay. And now... <laughs> <laughs> John Podesta was there, I saw him. So, like, all the extras are giving bad performances... This is where it's starting to feel like a B movie. It's and when I say that the intention here, because like M Night Shyamalan, I have a feeling just had like a bullhorn, right? He had uh, a bullhorn, and he's trying to tell all the extras like, "Hey, everyone, give a really shitty performance, oh my God. okay? Just as oh, bad as you can." Jesus. No, no, everyone, it's supposed to be this bad. <laughs> no, come on, everyone, just please, Mark, can you calm him down? Help me out here. Guys, 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 it's a parody. <laughs> you like those, right? All those movies none of you remember? Those movies everyone hates? <laughs> Alright, so, uh... There's something so fucking funny about just watching someone getting eaten, just walking up to a lion and letting something eat and going, Oh my god, what is Al-Qaeda doing now? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you, lady? That's a good point, yeah. That's a good point. So, uh... Turns out you do not, in fact, have to hand it to <laughs> That's the thing is like he's just feeding his arms to the lions too. So people are finding like I it's, will say one thing in favor of this movie. People aren't just like, you know, walking off buildings or shooting themselves in the head or, or slitting their wrists, except when they do. Uh, some of them do find creative and original ways to kill themselves. It looks stupid, but at least they're like going somewhat creative with it. Um, I could have used like five more of those. Yeah. But the ones that's we get true. are pretty good. Yeah. 
It's, I'm not saying that's like lead into it. It's like at least it's a good idea. Anyway, so the train just stops because they've lost contact. Hey, lost contact with who? You're not telling me everything, are you? And they're like, we've lost contact with everyone. Which <laughs> so they just stopped the train in the middle of nowhere. Like, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, this is good. We're in yes, fucking Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and. Uh, they, they go to a diner and they're all watching TV. They're all huddled together, which, you know, there is some sort of, like, thing about us living in this global pandemic, watching the happening, you know, which is sort of a similar thing, and yet still seeing a billion people unmasked, not social distancing, gathered together in a diner, you know? <laughs> I like that Mark Wahlberg's line readings are, all have very, like, Tobias Funkair and Audition <laughs> Comparison. And I'm the last guy you'll want to mess with. <laughs> oh my god, we're having a fire? Sale? Hey Mark, you want to take that again? <laughs> no! It's like, it's like watching Fern Gully? Too? <laughs> <laughs> so, Mark, can you please exhale after the line? No. So the, the performances from the extras get even worse in the uh, in the diner. The, the TV and the power goes out, everyone gasps. And uh, they're just like... We should just leave. And uh, they just get up and go. <laughs> there is like one part that I actually laughed out loud. It was one car just drives away really fast. And I can't even explain why it was funny. It's just, <laughs> just trying to get away from everyone else. Everyone filing out and someone just going 85 in a residential <laughs> screaming. <laughs> anyway, so Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel can't get a ride with anyone. They don't have a car because they Dude, the I'm train. obsessed with you reading that she's just like the walking angel of death, <laughs> bringing it with her everywhere. That's... And, oh my god, everywhere we go, there's so much madness. <laughs> you just see like a trail of dead grass behind her. Honestly, that could be... <laughs> She's fucking typhoid Mary of the happening, <laughs> just bringing wind and death. It's starting to feel like it, dude. So anyway, one of my all-time favorite, you want to talk about line reading, but also the way that the line is written. They can't get a car, right? Anyway, a car at the very last second drives up to them. It parks in front of them, and Zoe Deschanel points at it, looks at Mark Wahlberg and says, there's a car. <laughs> I, now say backpack. I, <laughs> say backpack. <laughs> It's like when he called fucking cab in Grand Theft Auto, it just swerves into the curb no matter what's standing there. <laughs> There's a car. Very good. <laughs> fucking idiot. <laughs> it's one of my all-time favorite ones. Also, there was another car over there that uh, John Leguizamo just has to be, just happens to be by. It's just like, hey, I, oh my god, I get in this car. Hey, John, wait, there's room in this one. Take my daughter. John, there's room in this car. Take her! Well, anyway, he, no, he's, he's passive-aggressive about it. He says to Zoe Deschanel, don't take my daughter's hand unless you mean it. I don't know what that means. Like, but you can just take your own daughter, dude. I'm, I'm starting to wonder, though, do you think John Leguizamo knows that she's the angel of death? <laughs> so I was really hoping <laughs> no, that Mark No, Walker, really grab onto it. I make eye contact. <laughs> Now say your name backwards. It's, it's fine. Really hoping that Mark Wahlberg would take her hand, tome. not you. <laughs> so he's like, I gotta go back. I gotta go get Take my her mom. hand. Not you, not you, not you. Ah, uh, well. Oh, rats. <laughs> so here comes, they all, when I say they all, it's uh, the little girl, uh, John Luizama's daughter, and uh, Mark Wahlberg and Zoe Deschanel all pile into the backseat of the hot dog guy car now we we have to talk about the hot dog guy 
Because he's one of the best parts of this movie. He's got this this misshapen face that's mostly covered up with a beard and long hair. Uh, no offense. And he has he has this line delivery. Uh, that wasn't trying to be personal. It just happened. Uh, <laughs> no, it works. Okay. And uh, he he says, you like hot dogs? They're like, what? They go to his plant nursery. He's like, you know, hot dogs get a bad rap. They got a cool shape. Tastes good. You like hot dogs, don't you? And Zoe Deschanel does the only normal thing that she does in the entire movie. She she smiles, shakes her head no, and uh, and just it mouths the word no. That's the only time that she's ever able to like emote is when she's not saying anything. She just mouths the word no, and hot dog guy gives her the look like okay weirdo. Like she's the weird one in this situation. <laughs> Meanwhile, after this, she's just walking around pointing at every single shrub in there, going. Tree. Grass. <laughs> That's a bush. Grass. That's a gun. That's a hot dog guy. Hot dog guy then... He just carries around, like, <laughs> dog training trees. Oh, my God, so good. So that's a... Th- this little begging strip on her nose. So that's the thing. Is like, the uh, hot dog guy talks to his plants, and they're looking at him like, why are you saying that? Because he's talking to them like, okay, babies, daddy will be back later. They're like, why do you, why do, you do that? And uh, he's like, oh, well... Plants, uh, studies have shown that plants respond to human stimuli. They, you know, they ran studies about it, you know. And I, I, that's where I kind of realized what the movie's sort of trying to do. Like, it's a lot of soft science. At one point, uh, Mark Wahlberg says to uh, the little girl that, you know, humans give off energy. They have studies about it. They even show that they have colors. You know what, M. Night? I bet you read that in a newspaper and you believed it. Or the other one uh, that plants react to human stimuli, yeah, like watering, or like removing <laughs> aphids, not talking to them. We start getting our thesis about how it might be the plants doing this as they're standing inside a massive greenhouse. That's the thing. It's like it's almost like a plus. This sort of reminds me of like how Quentin Tarantino writes, where every once in a while he reads an odd fact in like a journal or something. And puts it into one of his movies. You're like, hey, that's interesting. And this, it's M. Night Shyamalan credulously believing things that aren't really true. It's like if you play Beethoven for plants, they grow better. Uh, You know what, dude? Honestly, I don't believe it. And even if that was true, don't put it in a movie because it's stupid. And the other one is is, uh, we'll never fully understand science. This is like the the softest science in a movie that I think I've ever seen. Maybe it was man who did this. Yeah, I guess we'll never really understand. Well, that's Thanks, that's man. one of the ways that this actually does sort of feel like a science fiction B movie from the fifties because those also have plenty of soft science. Invaders from Mars. Maybe if we go there, we can reason with their leader. It's like humans can't go to Mars; it's too far away, you know. So We've, we're sending Mark to talk to the trees, and we're hoping everything goes well. So John Leguizamo is uh, driving away with th- three people who don't even have names. And uh, he's in the car. He's trying to calm down a hysterical woman behind him. He's like, okay, I'm going to tell you a math riddle. My brother Para tells only lies. I, Dox, tell only the <laughs> truth. And uh, the guy who's driving gets so sick and tired of John Leguizamo that he decides to just crash into a tree. And uh, I have a joke written for this. Um, I was wondering if you would like to hear it. Absolutely. Hi, my name is Ryan Dunn, and this is Jeeping It Real. <laughs> I do not want to hear it. Go back. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> sorry. Wait, I'm sorry that I took your dumb fucking sucks at driving joke. Alex was screaming somewhere. <laughs> he was just clutching his headphones like, fucking say it. Fucking say it. 
so they come across. I'm, I'll shout out to Alex wherever he is uh, for for noticing it. They come across the rules guy from Serenity. <laughs> <laughs> Sergeant Stuttering. Yes. Ah, oh, cheese and crackers. What got a happening Can going on? We talk about the fact that he says cheese and crackers, like the t- tiramisu, hot dogs, cheese and crackers. M Knight was just really hungry when he wrote this. Hey, you and me both, right, buddy. That's, okay, that's fair. Uh, so anyway, um, they're they're all uh, they meet Sergeant Stutter. And uh, they're like, well, we can't go that way because uh, the toxin. Uh, well, what if we just start walking? Just start walking in the field. We'll just see what happens. And this guy starts bellowing into the sky that this is my rifle, this is my gun, etc. And uh, they're just like, uh, hey, Sarge, uh, what you doing? And he pulls out the gun and just caps himself. And he goes zero to private pile so quickly. Yeah. Oh wait, wait. We before this, we we're we're getting ahead of ourselves. They meet up with um, I, I guess it's John Cho as a, a realtor, and they're asking him, "Where can we go that's safe with fewer people?" He says, "Well, there's a nearby uh, town called Arendelle." Parker from your favorite movie, Frozen. <laughs> Man, I was wondering why. I was like, dislodged something in my brain. I was like, why do I know that name? Why did this trigger something inside me? <laughs> anyway now I hate this <laughs> anyway and Zoe Deschanel reveals that she once ate tiramisu with this guy named uh, Joey and and Mark Wahlberg's like yeah you lied to me and it's maybe the dumbest thing I think I've ever seen um, it, it does uh, is this where hang on is, is this the uh, oh no this is later uh, this is about where you just start muttering I don't care I don't care I don't care I don't care I don't yeah care. this pretty much is and it. keep it's like, walking and talking de- about mood rooms that's the thing is like Jesus Christ she she ate dessert with some guy it doesn't mean anything you know it wasn't even a date who cares so uh, you lied to me I yeah I, was, uh, I thought we I thought we had something special I thought oh my god. Anyway, so this is... It's, All of our natural charisma together. We have so much fun being in the same room. <laughs> as you can clearly see. It's good, though, that Sergeant Stutter starts capping himself and everyone else starts shooting themselves as well. Because we zoom in, and again, this is where the fucking camera work is just awful. Mark Wahlberg's face is so close to the camera, you can practically, you can practically see his cheeks pressing against the lens. As he goes, What's that? The toxin? Is it, was it the trees? Okay. Observe data, record measurements, and everyone's telling him, like, Mark, do something. And and meanwhile, in the background, you can just hear, Well, that talks to Is this good? (laughs) And Zoe Deschanel just has an all-timer of a line delivery with, We can't just stand here as as uninvolved observers. Thanks. Yeah, no, one takes good. We we gotta get going. We gotta move to the next shot here. Well, we're really saying something here. Ugh. Maybe we are just uninvolved observers. <laughs> anyway, the... No, we are incredibly involved. That's why the planet hates us. You wrote this, dickhead. That's the thing. It's like, it's I'm not fault. even sure that the reveal that it's the trees that are doing this is a twist because they say it basically throughout the entire movie. It's not even like a reveal. It's just like, yeah, five minutes in, it was pretty clear what's going on. Uh, you, this is the one movie you're like, man, I hope there's a twist coming. <laughs> no, no, no. A, a, a different twist. Man, I can't wait to find out what's actually doing it. I fucking, I'm praying for aliens. At this point, I hope it's nope, Al-Qaeda. Just, the trees are mad. Imagine some guy in a beard and turban shows up. 
<laughs> if it's just actually for real. <laughs> that would be a lot better than the trees, I'll tell you that. We've received a uh, videotape from Afghanistan. Uh, please hide your young one. <laughs> it's just someone sawing down a tree. <laughs> it's it's fantastic because he actually wished for this to happen. Uh, and it's a good thing he's, he sold all his oil to the Saudis. <laughs> so, they go to a house, but it's one of those My fake God. houses. Imagine. And Gal Gadot reading any of these lines. <laughs> oh my Parker, God. do the voice. Do the voice. Oh, fucking. Can't stand by his uninvolved <laughs> What a better they movie. Couldn't, they couldn't put her in Straight this because Gal she would Gadot tower above Mark Wahlberg. Uh, anyway. Oh, what should we do? I'm going to ask the seven foot tall woman. <laughs> I'm going wherever she's going. If I die, so be it. So they go to a house, and she and he picks up a facade of book spines off the shelf. And my first reaction was, I didn't know that they made those. It's actually kind of a good idea. You know, you like put those on there. They make you look smart. People think that you read. It's a great idea. I'm just set up my new Zoom background. Yeah, some people, oh, yeah, yeah, they do. They do that. They all buy like a ton of books, like by volume, just to fill out their uh, bookcases and make themselves look smart. That's. Honestly? Oh, sorry. You caught me between reading sessions. <laughs> yes, I am ready for our meeting. Uh, no, none of these books have pictures in them, of course. Uh, this is where... <laughs> no. So, I have to admit, if they didn't reveal that this was a fake house, when he picked up the the fake spine of the books and put it back, I would be like, now that's a B-movie thing. Is actors fucking up the props. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, that should have been like an Easter egg an entire shelf over. Yeah, we'll just leave it in <laughs> there. We don't have to reshoot it. That's fine. Uh, and then he talks to a plant and I gotta admit, like everyone goes like, yeah, it wasn't that like a stupid cheesy part of the movie. And I think I like it less than everyone else because it's so obviously meant to be funny. You know, like there's no way this was written in there in a serious way. He's talking to this fake plant being like, Hey, you know, we're just trying to get by here. No, you don't get to be self-aware now. Yeah, exactly. You don't get to be like, actually, guys, I'm in on the joke. So The fuck you so are. So they decide to leave the fake house because it has fake food. And this is where we get possibly the dumbest part of this. He says, hey, if we're going to do this, I want you to know the truth. This one time, I went to the pharmacy. And there was this really cute pharmacist. And I just wanted to talk to her. And I pretended like I had a cough so I can get some cough syrup. I almost bought it. And she's looking at him like, is that true? And he shakes his head no. And she's like, thank you. Like a single tear fucking falls down her face. Oh my and at this point, I am begging to hear about scrunts and North again, <laughs> dude. I'm dying in this fucking movie. It is one of the dumbest scenes I think I've ever seen in a movie. It's like the most worthless thing I've ever seen. It looks like when Wayne does the fake crying. <laughs> it really does. Just grab it, water, throw it in his face. It's a completely superfluous bottle of cough syrup. And the worst part is, I never learned how to read. Is that true? No. <laughs> no, I'm just fucking with you. So, they go to a different house. And Parker, everyone has their own favorite line from Mark Wahlberg in this movie. Most people seem to like the... What? No. Which we'll get to. But if if you're asking me what my favorite Mark Wahlberg line is in this movie, it has to be, No, sir, we're perfectly normal out here. Oh, Blackwater, keep on rolling. 
See, we're normal. <laughs> it's like, what are you other normal guys up to? <laughs> we're just normal guys hanging out outside your house. The fucking kid from the Cat in the Hat is trying to kick your door. He's in. calling you all pussies like he's on Xbox Live. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you fucking need it, pussy. <laughs> and he gets shocked. First of all, I want to talk about this guy doesn't understand basic science. He's like, they told us to board up our windows. We're not going outside because of the toxin. There's so many open windows in the. There's so many open spaces in the slats <laughs> of the windows. It's like I can see your eyes, motherfucker. You didn't do a good yeah. job. Yeah. Also, he opens the door to shotgun that kid, which. Uh, Boy, that kid probably should have moved, huh? <laughs> What's he gonna do? Shoot me? <laughs> hey, pussy! You want to one v one me? This is really you can't. What's that? You can't. What's that? Little baby? Ba- oh, what's that? <laughs> this is great though because this is about the time where uh, there. After he shoots the first kid, he pokes the gun through the window for the second kid. Mark Wahlberg notices it. This is like the only Mark Wahlberg action scene in the movie because like he sees it and turns his head and in slow motion goes no, and he still misses. The kid still gets shotgun in the head. So was that even worth it? The fact that both kids get shot is what's really funny. Yeah, that like, actually oh is. God, pretty they funny. had the nerve to kill a kid, and then you see that barrel just peek out. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's actually you do bring up a good point. Like killing a kid in a movie is it's kind of a big step, you know. Like remember Assault on Precinct Thirteen, where that kid gets like killed. That's like a big moment. You're just like, holy shit, they killed a kid. It's like a big thing. You know, all those cheesy B movies where kids get shot in the face <laughs> at point blank range. <laughs> That's a good point, yeah. Uh, I love to see where the giant ants show up and they just execute the black child for trying to get inside. So, uh... What hath man wrought? <laughs> Bam! So, uh, they go to the house with the old woman. Now, this is the part that most people like to talk about, and for good reason. Everyone talks about how bad Mark Wahlberg is in these scenes, and he is bad, but this old woman is just as bad. And I start to wonder, why is she so bad? Why are you acting like this? This is so weird. I think the, I think this is on M. Night Shyamalan, not for giving her poor direction, but you know how they shoot movies and somehow, and sometimes they'll shoot all of someone's dialogue and then they'll just edit it together later, be like, okay, we'll do it all from this camera angle then we'll shoot from this camera angle so you don't see the camera that you would have seen in the other angle. And you could do, like, shot-reverse shot, right? In this one, she's just saying all her lines and they never cut from it. There's, like, a spot where it's, like, there would be a pause and you would cut to a reaction shot and they never do, right? And they're supposed to intercut this with Mark Wahlberg's dialogue and M. Night just got lazy in the editing room and he just didn't do it. Just let it play. It feels more organic that way like trees oh okay here's another thing like film is not just a visual medium it is it's film is supposed to be art it is supposed to communicate something you are trying to tell me something here for the most part i understand what this movie is trying to communicate give a shit about nature the honeybees dying is a bad thing okay i get it but when we go to this woman's house why are we here what are we what is this woman what are we what is she supposed to represent what is this woman an allegory for okay nothing she says or does makes sense there are just multiple scenes where she just walks away and that's like the funniest thing to me about this woman is uh right after the scene she's just like talking behind my back what no we're just having a conversation planning on murdering me in my sleep what no and she just walks away. 
That's it. That's the end of the scene. That's really funny. It gets even better when he walks into like, I don't know, like her study and sees that she's crazy or something like that. And she screams at him, leave now. And he's just like, look, lady, you have to understand that there's people dying up and down the eastern seaboard. And the, the honeybees, they're dying. And, and she she's doing like this weird thing. Parker, you, you just watched it, right? And you remember, it's like, she's like doing something with her hand. She's just like, it, like that. And she, and then she just walks out of the room. She just walks away. She's charging her key. Please. <laughs> that must be it. She's Princess I love Snape. the energy of just like someone like me just going to a room and be like, oh man, no one in this room is going to kiss me, right? Any <laughs> hot young women are going to kiss me, right? No, absolutely not. Yeah, just check in and they just storm out of the room and never say another word to <laughs> She... I'm wondering, where's the normal performance in this movie? Even the little girl talks too much like an adult. You know? She, like, when they first meet yeah, her... That girl who's just mute the whole movie all of a sudden has a fucking soliloquy ready. Right, yeah. Oh my god, the innocence of babes. Oh, fuck <laughs> you. Get out of my face. Yeah, so anyway, the old woman walks outside and uh, I guess the toxin gets to her. So their theory about it affects people in large groups is bullshit. And she starts headbutting the windows... And it just made me think that she is better at breaching the house's perimeter than the aliens from Signs. Exactly. <laughs> you just go through that shit. Yeah. It's not that hard. Anyway, so she's dead. And this is where things get somewhat disturbing. So the little girl and Zoe Deschanel go out to, I guess it's a shed or garage or whatever, that is connected with a pipe to the rest of the house so you can communicate with it. Why is that there? And, uh... Oh, dude, the runaway slave. Oh, is that what they're trying to do? Just to casually drop that. Oh yeah, runaway slaves would hide out in there. Like, oh my god, how old is what? Hang on, old lady. How long have you been here? Oh my god, do you think she? Do you think she was working with the Transformers? <laughs> Don't worry, Bumblebee. I've got them. Yeah, they're in here, guys. Come get them. I, th- I thought the happening took a really weird turn when Cogman came out. <laughs> Mark, Wal- oh god, Mark Wahlberg wasn't two of those, man. Yeah, damn it, yeah. that sucks. I'm, I'm just happy that the oh, we've l- only seen one of those. Huh? I'm just happy that the little girl in this movie didn't have glycerin sprayed all over her. Dude, that's a top five worst theater experience in my life. It's absolutely top five worst. So um, they're talking about like I remember we used to have the mood rings. And Zoe Desch- Deschanel just starts talking about how the mood ring was, like, indicating that she was horny in front of this ten-year-old girl. She's not even ten. She's, like, eight. <laughs> this mute child has been staring at them because her parents are dead. Like, you ever put the ring on? We found out you just wanted to bone down. That was so much fun. Now we hate each other. Yeah, I liked it so much. I checked the chart, and it said that my pussy was quivering. <laughs> oh, my God. I looked at need you to come over here and hit my back once. <laughs> come, come bust me out in the slave quarters, please. <laughs> Sick. Okay. <laughs> slave quarters. Okay, so... I didn't write the fucking movie. Don't get mad at me. I'm, I'm embarrassed I didn't get that immediately. I'm. Thank you for you picking up on that. Anyway, um, it just happens to end. Uh, I, I think it just sort of stops there. Uh, because Mark Wahlberg that they're apart for five minutes like you know what let's just die together it'll be as I just look around like man I sure wish I could have seen my family on Christmas but alright guys it's it's great because they're just like let's just do it and be legends and they decide to bring the little girl 
which is like the most insulting thing to John Leguizamo's memory. Like he says, "Don't take her hand unless you mean it." What? You're taking her hand to kill her? Oh, don't worry, John. I mean it. Anyways, we're going to hell tonight, kid. Zoe Deschanel's wrath has finally ended because uh, people stop dying. It just happens to stop right at that moment. If the movie was trying to communicate that these two people are in love, is that if that's what ended it? Oh boy. I was I was hoping that like the scientist at the end would say it. I truly hate there's like Yeah, we don't really know uh, how it all ended or why it stopped. Great. Well here's the thing. So like the, the little girl there, uh, she's like wearing an avatar backpack, which is a sign of things to come, so I guess they just stole her. And uh they're uh she takes a pregnancy test, so additional takes a pregnancy test. Oh, it turns out she's pregnant, and she does the weirdest fucking smile I've ever seen. She does like this, huh? Oh, that's that's kind of neat, huh? There's I got a baby in me. Looks like the mood ring she was uh, unhinged. Yeah. <laughs> this woman's unhinged. Um, so things get somehow worse here because uh, we cut to France, of all places, and. Turns out the happening is happening in France. And I'm like, did Roland Emmerich make this? <laughs> here's a, Dean Devlin got a producer credit. <laughs> <laughs> See, here's one of the wild things, and it's people don't admit this, but it's true. One of the biggest problems with uh, foreign movies is really it's hard to care about like a disaster like this taking place if it's taking place in France. It's like, oh no, this disaster taking place in <laughs> Paris. Like... Yeah, but it's Paris. I mean, I live in Texas. If I turn on the news, oh my god, something terrible is going on in the northeast. Click, whatever. Like the wild, the wildest thing about the raid is it made me care about Indonesia. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they got through nine eleven. They'll be fine. Just some trees. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I still got to go to work today. Fuck them. Yeah, like France, really. And then the like everyone just stops. And the guy just kind of looks behind him. He doesn't even gasp or anything. He's just kind of like, oh, ceci weird. And it cuts immediately to directed by M. Night Shyamalan on Solid Black. And Parker, I have to ask, which is one of the funniest cuts to directed by M. Night Shyamalan that I've ever seen. God, it's every time. It's such a good cell phone. It's so funny. but It's got real Tim and Eric energy. But here's the wildest thing. Did you listen to the end credits music? I sure did not. It was one of the funniest songs I think I've ever heard in my life. It's just, it's still score, you know? It's not like, it's, they don't play like Den with a Sickness or something, better movie. But like, <laughs> that would have been so much funnier. <laughs> that, oh my god, if they played the end of Heartache right after the France scene. Anyway, <laughs> it's just James Newton Howard going nuts with the score. So it's like, it's like all this weird stuff that's just like, what are you doing? What did I just watch? Sorry that yeah, your pulse hasn't hasn't gone back to normal after the nonstop thrill ride of running from wind and talking about hot dogs <laughs> for ninety minutes. Well, that's one of the lucky things here. Ninety minutes. That's hey, say what you want about the guy, but his movies like never top past a hundred, and we stay in the king. Do we? I mean. Sometimes you just watch all of someone's movies in a row and regret it about halfway through. All right, next week's episode. And then you make your friend watch Split in class. Anyway. <laughs> oh, it was worth it. It was worth it. Uh, next week's episode is um, Lady in the Water. 
No, it's not. No, it's not. What, what should next week's episode be? No. Uh, we'll ask her a good friend later. I have no idea. Three thirty in the fucking. So our four teams that made the uh, the the championship round are my Bills, my Packers, Parker's Chiefs, and. Chris's Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes. So, uh, looks like we have some assignments to get to. Oh. So, uh, one of you guys want to go first? Do you guys have something in mind? Or would you like me to go first? Uh, you go first. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and set the tone yeah, for us? Yeah, please. Do All right. <laughs> All right. So, you know, there's been a lot going on in the news lately. And, uh, I wanted to get some things in, uh, that, um, you know, were kind of topical. You know, many people on the internet are saying that with Mr. Cheeto Man leaving office, we are reaching the end of the world. So, Parker, you're going to watch that movie where Gerard Butler gets hit by comets. I'm going to need you to specify which one. Yeah. Uh, give me a second. I'll find the title. Is it the newer one from last year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I can work backwards. Yeah. <laughs> I can work with that. And, uh, you know, many people are also saying that this is the uh, the 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 final nail in the coffin of the, uh, the neoconservative moment. So, Chris, you're going to watch Bedtime for Bonzo, starring Ronald Reagan. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> Bedtime for Bonzo. Uh, great. That's fantastic. Bopping my Bonzo. <laughs> how, how many assignments do I get? Do I only get the one? You get the one. Okay. Uh, in that case, I'll assign Alex a short one. Um, I'd like to assign him, uh, the Tales from the Crypt episode with Tim Curry. It's called Tale, it's a, what is it, Tales from the Crypt? Death of Some Salesman. Tim Curry plays three different roles in this one. Death of Some Salesman. Got it. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> I figured. Well, I got a good movie that I will enjoy, so I'm going to pass the good vibes around. Chris, I want you to finally watch Upgrade, so I have an excuse to talk oh, about it for yes. 20 minutes. All right. <laughs> I will also be watching Upgrade again this week. <laughs> He's gonna text me on and be so like, good. you know, I'm I'm off today. I'm just gonna pop that back on. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Alright, so uh that'll do it for the game of games for now. Tune in next week to see if there's any new adventures in store for the Super Bowl. I hope no one wants to use any Dragon Balls. I hope Chris's <laughs> journey is going well as he travels to King Kai's planet. It's right, oh, this is it. taking me a while. Then. <laughs> oh, no! And that's the tea, sis.